Welcome back to the My Latin Life podcast. Since 2014, My Latin Life has been your trusted guide to traveling and living in Latin America. Today, my guest is Jay Hunter Anson. He's the director of the Digital Residency Office of the Republic of Palau. This episode is going to be a little different, but I think it counts because everyone in our audience is interested in residency programs around the world. And maybe I'll justify it because Palau was a uh, Spanish colony for a period of time. So there's your Latin connection. But in this episode, we're going to get into a very unique program that Palau is offering. It'll be specifically interesting to our audience that are crypto investors and interested in crypto, but really everyone, digital residency. Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, yes, uh, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, interested and uh, excited to get the the word about or the word out about uh, Palau's digital residency program. Yeah, absolutely. When I saw this program, I know it launched about a year ago, but I only heard about it a couple weeks ago. And when I saw this, I was immediately interested. It, it seemed like you were doing something truly innovative, and to actually have the director of the digital residency office on the podcast to talk about uh, the innovative program that you guys are doing, I think is going to be really exciting. So very much appreciate your time. No, oh, yes. Thank, thank you. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I really appreciate it as well. And, and uh, just wanted to uh, say hi to your, your audience and, and those that are uh, throughout Latin America or wherever you're at in the world uh, listening uh, the whole in, our, our main intent behind the program is to uh, provide not just the digital residency, uh, but also uh, opportunities for innovation and uh, continued exploration of uh, use of the blockchain, uh, and especially in regards to uh, economic freedom and, and uh, global uh, freedom of, of travel and, and global citizenship and things yep. of that nature. Yeah. We're, well, we're definitely all about global citizenship. Jay, I'll tell you a bit about our audience. So I'd say it's typically uh, majority American, right? English speaking. So Americans, Canadians, Europeans who are often digital nomads or expats in Latin America, right? So they're interested in internationalization. We talk about getting residency in Mexico and Paraguay, Panama, everywhere in Latin America. And really a lot of our audience they're not like 100% Latam people. They also maybe have bases in, in Georgia or Armenia or Portugal, right? So people are in Turkey. So people are internationalizing all around the world and uh, potentially Palau could fit into their holistic strategy, right? No, yeah, that, that's great. And, and Palau has, has always been uh, open to everyone. Uh, they're, they're uh, so, so citizenship, they're, and, and right now, there's no path to uh, a Palauan citizenship, uh, but they they do do um, it's it's visa on arrival. So based on what your passport says, uh, where your citizenship is, they will adjust your uh, departure date uh, accordingly. Uh, so, for example, if you're a Japanese passport holder, uh, it's 30 days. Uh, European Union, 90 days. Uh, U.S. citizens, and I believe Canadians, is a year. Uh, oh, wow. And 
Yep. So we're we're uh, doing we're, we're we're looking at that too from the digital residency perspective to see if we can get uh, either uh, you know an, an open uh, timeline or uh, some extensions, extra extensions for digital residents who want to stay and uh, and work from Palau or work in Palau. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of different possibilities. Yeah, that all sounds great. And we're definitely going to get into a lot of the details and logistics and the nuts and bolts in this episode. But I thought before we dive in too deep, you could just give us a little bit of an overview, um, actually of the country of Palau, because I think not everyone will be super familiar with it. So the digital residency office that you're the director of is part of the Ministry of Finance. So you are, I guess, a government official, I'm guessing. Yes, I'm on the uh, Ministry of Finance's board of directors. Uh, it's, it's, we're a very small uh, office. It's me and I, I have uh, an immigration officer, Palau immigration officer that works for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Her role, uh, we, we both share the admin load. Uh, but her role is to do the government background checks, uh, against, uh, you know, we, we have three, three databases that we look at the, uh, the, the one that's specific to Palau is, uh, what's called the undesirable, uh, list. It's a, it's a list that's signed by the president every year. And it's just basically if you've, uh, if you were, if you're, uh, uh, a foreigner and, and you committed some type of um, crime or, or other, uh, or, or you're suspected of, of criminal, uh, international criminal activity, money laundering, things of that nature, then you're, you're put on the list and you either have to leave Palau, uh, or you're not allowed in. Uh, so th- those are those. And, uh, right now citizens of Iran and North Korea are the only ones that we, as, as a Palau government, uh, do not allow, uh, to participate in the digital digital residency program. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so we got tons of questions from our audience, and uh, we're going to try to attempt to do it more or less sequentially. I thought maybe yeah. the best place to start would be to uh, just explain, people were curious about the free association with the United States. So my understanding is Palau has been uh, a fully independent, recognized nation since 1994. You guys gained your independence in 1994. Um, but you continue a sort of free association with the U.S. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how that dynamic works. Yeah. So, um, so for for uh, for Palauans, uh, the, the compact of free association was something re- really contentious. I, I was I mean, growing up in Palau. Uh, the first three referendums uh, in the in the early no, mid '80s were actually. Uh, voted down. They couldn't get to a 75%. It requires 75% a majority mm. uh, vote. Like I said, 75% of the, of the population, of the votes had to go uh, for the compact for it to be adopted. And they couldn't do that. They eventually, uh, you know, changed the rules. So it was a majority vote and, and it finally got passed. And what the Compact of Free Association does, it, it gives uh, the United States the... Um, Ability to uh, base in Palau in, uh, and put military strategic assets in Palau uh, as necessary uh, for for national security, uh, and then uh, Palauans get uh, 
developmental uh, funds, developmental assistance funds to fix the infrastructure. Uh, so the, the airports, the roads, mm -hmm. the uh, the ports, and and the hospitals are the four uh, major uh, infrastructure projects that that Palau uses the funding from the compact agreement uh, for. And so that uh, agreement is expiring in 2024. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's uh, there's been several iterative uh, memorandums of understanding uh, that have been negotiated and signed. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it's, it looks like we will continue to be uh, a partner with the U.S. Uh, moving forward. From uh, 2000 and from 2005 to 2000 and right before COVID, uh, there there was a lot of um, economic alignment with China uh, as the different presidential administrations, you know, started paying less and less attention to the Pacific. Uh, and, and so China, you know, they, they got a foothold uh, and made a lot of uh, different agreements with uh, local businessmen and politicians in Palau to, uh, to build up what looked like they were, they were helping us build up, uh, our tourist industry. Uh, they approved, uh, 50,000, uh, well, more than 50,000, uh, Chinese tourists every year, uh, who would go and, and it looked like they were spending money in Palau. Um, and so with, when, when COVID hit and we had to close the borders, you know, that 50,000 tourist faucet turned off, uh, change in administrations, uh, the new uh, president uh, recognizes Taiwan. The new president uh, has called China a bully. Uh, he's they're taking a a harder look at um, you know how they're going to let Chinese tourists return to Palau uh, just because of the the COVID situation uh, in China, and so uh, the the Chinese government has not sent any. Uh, they, they've they've no longer. Uh, you know, the norm, the, there's no no longer a normal plan uh, to send that many tourists uh, to Palau. So Palau is 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 in a tight spot right now uh, economically. Uh, Why is you that? can imagine uh, the just revenue from the, 50, just because the loss of tourism. Yeah, the, the revenue from fifty thousand tourists, uh, uh, you know, going away just hurt them uh, really badly. Uh, and when you and, and so there, and then other other countries uh, have not uh, started sending uh, tourists again. Before before COVID, there were regular flights from uh, Taiwan and uh, the Philippines. Uh, those are starting to uh, get turned back on, but it's it's just been a slow process. Uh, so we do have. Um, in terms of, of diversification, we we do have a, a regular flights from Australia through uh, New, Papua New Guinea that are going to start uh, next month on the first of February, That's cool. mm -hmm. and then weekly flights or twice weekly flights from Taiwan, and we're close to negotiating uh, a deal with uh, Singapore and Japan to uh, for regular flights. So with with that. You know, the, there's more logistically, there, there will be more uh, options uh, for flying into Palau. 
uh, and the prices should come down. Right now, United Airlines has the monopoly on on the routes into Palau, so it's uh, it's it's pretty expensive when I fly there. I see. And so, where is the monopoly route based right now? Like, what is the current route? So there, there's uh, they have two. United Airlines has two. Uh, so for you, you have to connect through Honolulu. Okay. And then Guam into Palau. And then coming out, you can do that route in reverse. Uh, or you can go through, uh, you have to go to Guam again from Palau and then to Japan mm-hmm. and then to Newark, New Jersey in the U.S. Or you can go from uh, Palau to the Philippines and then uh, get a connecting flight on a different airline or stay on United uh, to okay. go out. So the like the direct flights are currently Guam and I guess the Philippines, Philippines. or just Guam? Yes. Uh, Guam and the Philippines, and then there's okay. uh, they're they're still uh, kind of testing the the routes with uh, uh, to Australia to Brisbane and mm-hmm. um, Taiwan Taipei. Yeah, that'll be cool to have uh, the Taipei. And then what about like ferries? Like, is there a ferry to the Philippines or any kind of boat service? Uh, right now, no. There's um, there there's talks of getting cruises uh, to go into Palau, but that's still in uh, in uh, initial negotiation. They they do steam because they 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 kind of proved the concept with a couple of major military U.S. military exercises last year mm-hmm. uh, that you you can put large boats into uh, the Palau, Palau's ports. Uh, the one, one of the, the bigger ones was the U S Naval ship, uh, mercy. It's the, the big hospital ship. They were able to park it right in, uh, it's called Malakal Harbor. It's the, the main Harbor in Palau. And, uh, they stayed there for a month servicing patient patients. Interesting. Um, so you brought up uh, a little bit about the China U S dynamic, uh, when it comes to this region, I know it's a sensitive topic. So if you don't want to discuss it further, that's fine. But I think it would be pretty interesting to the audience because um, you're closer to this than I am, of course. And there seems to be a there's a phrase, but like a sort of like a a fight for territory or influence in South China Sea, of course, in Oceania, in Southeast Asia. Could you just speak to a little bit about what that dynamic is? I imagine that you guys are quite aligned with Guam and the North Mariana Islands. And I, I know there's tons of like French and American islands and stuff kind of in that region that I, I bet right. you guys are most closely aligned with. Right. Uh, yes. I mean, the, the contention. So, yeah, it is. It can be pretty contentious um, from Palau's uh, perspective. You know, a lot of um, a lot of local businessmen and, and uh, politicians. You know, they they made uh, you know they, they, it, it was like the the Chinese involvement and participation in tourism was really good for them uh, because the, of the economic development that happened uh, during that time. A lot of new hotels were built. Uh, this is around two thousand and five to two thousand and ten. A lot of new hotels were were being built. Uh, the influx of, of uh, revenue and, and capital, of course. Um, 
China provided Palau with a uh, its first cell phone uh, system, Huawei. It's uh, nice. 2G, 3G, with some for some in some parts 4G capability. Um, uh, what else? The the uh, and then just the constant uh, you know turnover of uh, tourists helped Palau establish itself as um, you know, it was it already had the uh, UNESCO site. Uh, there's a, 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 a a conservation area in Palau uh, that's a, a world recognized UNESCO site because it's unique uh, in the world uh, and and you know the the number of uh, marine species and everything so it's, it was something that the UN wanted to protect uh, and you know it, it helped the Palau with its UN membership and uh, things of that nature uh, so what what we we started to find out though is so China was, you know, they, they were partnering with local businessmen. They would build hotels, restaurants, uh, and start tour agencies out of those hotels. But they're, the tourists coming from China were only staying in the Chinese hotels. They were only mm-hmm. eating in the Chinese restaurants and only uh, using the Chinese tour operators. So no, none of the Palawan uh, companies or hotels or restaurants were seeing any of the income. So the, the revenue would streams that were supposedly coming in, you know, aside from the corporate tax that those uh, businesses were paying, uh, none of it really translated into revenue for plow. It was all going back uh, to China. Mm. And, and so that, you know, it's, it's uh, so only a few people benefited uh, from it. A few Palauans benefited from it. Why do you think it is that the U.S. has sort of pulled back from the region um, at the exact moment when China is looking to gain influence in the region? Uh, well, so the the under the Biden administration, they've actually pivoted back, uh, and and so there's more. Uh, you know, it just it goes by from administration to administration, and, and what the gotcha. administration's priorities are. So with you know with, under the Obama administration he, he was in office for two terms and the second term he he started the uh, pivot to the Pacific strategy uh, and and right when that was gaining legs you know he, Trump uh, took office and Trump had more domestic focused uh, uh, agendas and and then you know with the out, outbreak of COVID and, and everything. Uh, that a lot of those those plans were kind of shelved, uh, along with the uh, uh, developmental plans and, and and partnering with with the different countries in the Pacific region, uh, were kind of put on the back burner. But now then, it, it looks like Biden, when he took office, he just oh he he picked up where Obama left off, uh, and and they're gaining gaining traction now, um, but. Uh, the, the example I use of what happened in Palau is, is pretty much what was going on in the rest of the countries. Uh, in yeah, the region. it's like a microcosm for what's going yeah. on in the region. That's yeah, what's it's cool just, about it. you know, China will come in and they're like, oh, we don't want to negotiate. We just want to give you. Here, take this, take this, <laughs> take this. And then once they, you know, that's how they build influence and, and very quickly. Uh, and so, so 
we, we saw a, a big example is what, what happened in the Solomon Islands. The Solomon Islands have completely, mm-hmm. not completely, but, uh, you know, they, they've, they're moving away from their relationship with Australia uh, that they've had since the end of World War II. And uh, they signed a, a uh, security agreement with China, allowing China no to do what, you know, the U.S. is doing in Palau and, and, and in other places. Like setting up bases and stuff. Right. Yeah, and exactly. And, and, you know, training exchanges for security. Um, and so the uh, U.S., you know, recognizes that and they, they've softened their, their stance and in, in, in what they are uh, able to agree agree to. Whereas in the past, it was, uh, you know, they you know slowly reducing the amount of economic assistance, slowly reducing the amount of developmental aid. Uh, but now they're more. You know, what, what do you need? We're 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 willing to help. But with that that compact of free so so that that means um, I, I was in a a uh, um, uh, I call them Telegram uh, town halls. We we have a Telegram group with about eighty digital residents. Uh, nice, dude. Get me in there. We just we just uh, yeah. started our Telegram group. Sorry to cut you off. Shout out. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, a Latin Life Telegram group. You can add us at My Latin Life is uh, the company Telegram at My Latin Life. I guess start with that, and then we can get you into the Latam enthusiasts group that we've added over 200 people to just in the past 48 hours. But yeah, continue, please. No, that that's great. No, I'll definitely uh, join. Yeah. Uh, so just from from a, a Latin America perspective, uh, my my wife is uh, from Colombia. She's from Bogota. Uh, I've nice. been there uh, many many times. Uh, I've also traveled extensively uh, throughout uh, South America and, and the Caribbean. A uh, couple of trips to Brazil. Uh, one to Uruguay. One to Argentina. A uh, few trips to Peru, Ecuador, I've been to the Galapagos. Uh, it's just a, a be- beautiful, huge, diverse part of the world, uh, and, and each country is unique and and uh, and just has a lot, had a lot to offer. I, I've I've never had a bad trip uh, anywhere in mm-hmm. the region. Absolutely. Now, I was reading a couple articles about the program, and we'll we'll start talking about the e-residency program. And okay. I noticed that it said that. Uh, 40% of applicants were from the U.S., 30% from Europe, and another 30% from Asia, including China. That article might be about six months old. Um, what is kind of the split uh, on people applying for the e-residency program? Where do you find that most applicants and e-residency holders are from? Yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, the... the uh, um the divide right now, those, those stats are, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge because a lot of the, um, the applicants, you know, they, they have different, different, uh, forms of ID, uh, different passports, you know, multiple passports, which is, which is Mm -hmm. great. I have, I have a Palau passport and a, a U.S. passport. Um, so it's, it's, uh, but so we just have to go off of the, uh, country they they tell us but right now it's it's uh i think uh, uh asia pacific is is catching up a little uh, especially from uh singapore and uh china 
so really, you know, the, where, where you see countries where they, they don't have as much economic freedom, uh, especially in the, the crypto space, uh, the, the uh, digital residency ID card is something that they can use uh, as a KYC AML uh, validation tool. Uh, and it's accepted on the Binance exchange and, and a couple of the other uh, mainstream exchanges. Uh, so it, that, that's definitely a help for them, uh, especially where uh, cryptocurrency and, and uh, doing business in crypto is, is uh, restricted. Yes, I think that's a very important point. So you're saying, oh, and by the way, I noticed um, the uh, CZ, the founder of Binance, uh, visited Balau, Palau and was, yeah. uh, I guess, part of the launch. Yes, yeah, he, he, he visited us in uh, June and uh, just met, met with the president, uh, had a question and answer with uh, Palau's Congress. Uh, he, of course, he, he did scuba diving. Uh, Palau is one of the seven underwater wonders of the world as far as scuba diving. Uh, and uh, no, he just he, he hung out for a couple of days and, and uh, I think he had a, he had a good time. And, and after talking to everyone involved in the program, uh, uh, expressed his, his support and uh, uh, and he, he backed it up by, by giving us access to uh, the Binance blockchain. Uh, so we're, we're beta testing the, so there's two parts of the ID card. There's the physical uh, ID card, and then there's a, a, uh, a blockchain, a digital ID card. It's, it's a, it's an NFT um, that, that digital residents will receive. And that's going to mm -hmm. be on the, the Binance blockchain. Very cool. And so what exactly is Binance's involvement with the, the e-residency program? Uh, aside from, so, so he has a, uh, they, they have a memorandum of understanding with our service provider. Our service provider for the digital residency program is a company called Cryptic Labs. They're out of uh, California. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know, aside from the uh, advice and, and, uh, and other type of, of support uh, that, you know, a large, large, uh, multi-billion dollar company like Binance brings to the table. Uh, they, they are also, uh, helping cryptic labs with, uh, developing our, uh, digital registry and, uh, for corporations mm -hmm. and, you know, what, what, what that, that would look like. And also, uh, giving us some ideas on how to set up uh, digital banking uh, in Palau. Very cool. So I know that we haven't actually talked about what the e-residency program or digital residency program is uh, concretely yet. So let's do that. How about Jay, can you give us basically just an overview of the offering? So what exactly is this uh, digital residency program that Palau is offering? Uh, sure. The so what the digital residency program offers, it, it offers uh, a way uh, for uh, non-citizens of Palau to take advantage of the uh, law, the, 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 the government structure uh, in Palau to register your business uh, mm -hmm. or uh, 
so Palau is, is, you know, it's a member of the UN. It, it's, uh, uh, has a compact of free association with the United States. Uh, yeah. and Palauans are, are more or less free to travel, uh, anywhere, right. In, in the world, uh, based on those, those two, uh, qualifiers. And so th- what this is intended to do is extend those, uh, benefits as much as possible to, uh, other residents of the world, other citizens of the world, uh, short of uh, a path to Palawan citizenship. <clears throat> Got it. So what are the benefits of the e-residency program? So uh, it's helpful from a crypto's perspective. Uh, I understand it can help give you access to U.S. markets. It can give you a U.S. address or zip code or phone number. Walk us through some of the benefits that people will get if they choose to sign up uh, for the Palau Digital Residency. Okay. Uh, so uh, r- right now, the, the we're working on on three things uh, primarily, and and I, I always qualify this with we are moving at the speed of government because there's. <laughs> Uh, there's there there aren't a lot of regulations in Palau, but uh, you know the the lack of regulation can can work for us or or against us uh, because the bureaucrats tend to like to make stuff up uh, as a barrier to uh, innovation, and so the the big thing for our office is to just to push through that stuff and, and working mm-hmm. with the lawyers and, and uh, the president and the Congress uh, to get their approval on on different things. So the, the big one we're working right now on is a, uh, a mailing a mail forwarding uh, program. It's an ancillary service. Uh, so the, the, the cost of, of digital residency, I, I haven't mentioned that. I, I apologize. It's $248 a year. And what that gets you is exclusive um, access to the, the different ancillary services that we're, we're developing that are on our roadmap uh, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the actual digital uh, ID card, the NFT I mentioned earlier, and a hard uh, copy card um, that you can, you can you know, have and, and, and carry with you. It has a lot of anti-counterfeiting technology uh, built into it. So some of the ancillary services, one of them is the uh, the mailing service, mail forwarding service. So we'll right now we're uh, almost finalized with the the uh, solution design. I'm waiting on the postmaster general of Palau to uh, get back to me and say they're good with it, uh, so that I can push a regulation through to the president for promulgation. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that's done, uh, digital residents. Uh, you would pay a uh, hundred dollars, and thirty-four dollars of that is for the post office. They they have U.S. Postal Service has their fees. It's a U.S. Uh, zip coded post office in Palau, uh, mm-hmm. and so and then the rest of it goes into an account, and that that account goes towards your your forwarding fees. So you could order something, uh, have it sent to the U.S. zip coded address that we'll have set up for digital residents. And the post office will forward it to your uh, home of record, your physical location. That, that'll be pretty far, right? Shipping something from Palau to, I don't know, the States or Europe. 
Uh, from Palau, it takes about two weeks right now, uh, depending on, on the carrier. Definitely a, a very crucial service for all digital nomads, though, is to have a mail forwarding service. Yes. No, and if you're a digital nomad living, uh, residing in Palau, uh, you can go to the post office and pick up your mail. Uh, you'll, you'll have an actual address that you can have mail sent to uh, without having to... Um, uh, you know, open up a, a PO box or, or what have you, uh, te- for just temporarily. Uh, so yeah, and and one thing about uh, Palau, there's there's you know the the actual population of Palauans living in Palau is eighteen thousand and change. There's another two to three thousand expatriates that live in Palau, so it's very expat friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. The the official languages are English and Palauan. Uh, but there, there's just a mix of, of, uh, nationalities there from, uh, Euro- a lot of, a lot of Europeans. There, there are a lot of folks from Latin American countries, uh, Americans, Australians, New Zealand, Taiwan, Philippines, Bangladesh. Uh, they're, they're all, they're all there. And a lot of expat communities, lots of, uh, uh, different programs, and and uh, clubs and, and whatnot so it's it's uh they're they're very uh, ingrained and intertwined sure um we're, we're going to keep talking about the benefits of the program and just the logistics of the program but just as an aside so uh you mentioned that this digital residency does not lead towards citizenship uh let's talk a bit about the just like the res the normal residency and normal path to citizenship so like uh, outside of the digital residency, is there, well, I guess, does the digital residency have any path to a standard permanent residency, let's say? Uh, I mean, yeah, but, uh, well, you can, you can, it, it depends where you're from. Uh, there's, you can become a permanent resident of Palau just by moving there. Like if you, if you move there and decide you want to stay, you just go and apply uh, for permanent residency. Okay. Uh, what are, what are, the, are there any, are there any requirements? Do you have to make no, a bank deposit? No, no, not, okay. not at all. To be, to be honest with you, no. Uh, you, you just have to, um, you know, show that you're, you know, you're, you're not doing any kind of criminal activity. You're not, uh, uh, you just like it and, and you want to stay. Like I said, Palau is different in that it just, it just welcomes, you know, everyone is, it's a true melting pot. Uh, okay. For, for everyone I, un- I understand that you might not know some of these details It's fine, but like, so if someone was to get a standard permanent residency in Palau, that could be pretty attractive because Palau is a territorial tax country. Me- yep. from my understanding, meaning they don't tax you on, uh, income earned, uh, outside of Palau. Right. Correct. Correct. And so you can get the permanent residency pretty easily. Um, from what I'm hearing. And then is there, what are the physical presence requirements to maintain the residency? Do you have to stay in Palau a certain number of days a year? Uh, do you have to, you know, you know what I mean? Could you talk about the, the presence requirements? Uh, there's none that I'm aware of. I could research that and I'd be happy to, uh, follow up in the telegram, uh, chat. Okay. With that answer. So that sounds cool. So let's just say our American listeners 
obviously anyone listening can go get the digital residency and we're going to talk more about that because that's very exciting. But if someone wanted just normal, normal permanent residency, they could fly to Palau via uh, Honolulu, get set up. I guess, do they have to maybe get like an apartment lease or, or something like that? I'm guessing. Uh, you usually, yeah, you, you, you could, you could go that route. Um, if you have a boat, there's, there's a lot of, uh, yachts and, and stuff parked in, in Palau. They've been there for, for many, many years. Uh, and, and as long as you, you know, pay your, your annual, uh, there, there's a fee, uh, associated for the, uh, boat the registration. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, that, that registration fee and, and, uh, I think of another visa fee, I'd have to dig into the immigration regulation, but no, it's, I mean, people, people, like I said, have, have stayed there for, for many, many years. Okay. So we can get residency in Palau. And then I noticed something very interesting about Palau's system of government, which is that, um, and maybe I'll just read uh, what I wrote because I took some notes, which is nationality obtained through naturalization in Palau is available to those who have familial or historic relationship affiliations with Palau. Palau does not grant naturalization based upon residency in the country for a specific period of time, nor does it allow foreign spouses to derive nationality. Applicants for naturalization are required to have at least one parent who has recognized Palauan ancestry. Yes. Yeah, that, that's all true. So for for myself, I'm my, my father's American and and my mother is Palauan. Uh, when Palau first ratified its constitution, uh, they it came with a three year uh, period where at the end of three years you had to declare: Are you a Palauan citizen or are you a citizen of another country? Um, my my mom and dad were living in Palau. My mom was a dual citizen as well of the U.S. And, and of Palau. So she gave up her U.S. Uh, uh, citizenship to because she Palau is also matriarchal. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, like lands and titles and everything, they pass through the women. The, oh, no way. Yeah. So so, for example, my my uh, younger sister, uh, when my mom passed away, all of our property and land and everything passed to her, even though she's younger. Uh, and and has four older brothers, so we, we have to be we have to be nice to our sister for for many reasons. Wow, dude, I could do um, a whole episode just on <laughs> some of that stuff. Yeah, so um, so culturally, so that that's that's some of that. So Palau changed the constitution in two thousand and eight uh, with the uh, the rules that you just described, where if you have uh, any kind of Palauan blood or, or lineage. Uh, you're a Palauan citizen, so you don't have to. You don't have to choose anymore. You can be. You can have dual citizenship. Gotcha. And um, is the Palau uh, uh, background or blood like 100% a requirement, or is there a possibility if you know you invest and bring a lot of value to the country, maybe you build some hotels or I don't know, do <clears throat> so that's, do do, uh, do other important works for that, the for the country. Yeah, that's right now. No, but that's something we're looking at uh, with the. So it, it all depends, right? I mean, they can amend the constitution, uh, like they did before, uh, and and the digital residency program uh, could be a catalyst for that, right? Let's say you know you get a lot of digital residents and and they're 
um, you know, they, they help prop plow back up and get us, get us out of the economic slump, uh, that we're currently in, uh, coming out of, of COVID, uh, you know, my, my thoughts are sooner or later, the digital residents, you know, there, there's about 92,000, uh, right now that are in different stages of the process, you know, they, they should eventually, they're going to want to have a voice in, in what happens, you know, like it can't just be, uh, a subscription service. If it's true, uh, economic and, uh, citizen, citizenry diversification and inclusion, uh, I, I, I think the digital residents will, will, will get a vote in, in how things, uh, progress. Interesting. So the digital residency program, how did this all come about? Could you tell us a little bit about the background of the program, the history and how it got started? You know, I, I joined the program in June uh, of, of last year. So it was, it was still kind of uh, in the initial uh, stages. We had about 900 early adopters. Uh, we had a uh, a law that was passed in December of uh, 2021 uh, and an operating agreement with Cryptic Labs was in place. Uh, so my, my role, because my, my background in uh, cybersecurity, I, I do a lot of governance and compliance. It was the, the Minister of Finance wanted someone uh, who could come in and, and uh, get everything uh, codified and, and get an actual uh, program, legitimate program. Uh, going with the normal reporting and compliance reports and 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 everything else. Uh, uh, so you know there there wasn't a lot of history. It happened it happened rather quickly. I I, I can trace back email traffic uh, and and news reports to about June of 2021 uh, when Palau was was getting ready to reopen the borders uh, following COVID and they were taking a hard look at you know the economy. Um, and the, the new president, uh, President Whips, uh, he, he's, you know, he's, he's very uh, uh, inclined, Cut, business inclined edge. and technologically yeah. inclined. And he'd been speaking with a lot of uh, different innovators in the blockchain and, and crypto space. And uh, then, then they, they looked at uh, the e-residency program in Estonia, and a lot of it was modeled uh, after that. And, you know, based on the economic uh, situation in Palau, they were able to pass the law through Congress uh, fairly quickly because they, 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 they needed to find uh, different, different ways to diversify the economy, you know, in addition to tourism, while tourism uh, was, was uh, recovering. Uh, so in, in June, we, we, you know, we did a hard push with Cryptic Labs, uh, took a, a look at some of the uh, uh, programs and, and, and operating procedures that were going on, got those running, you know, really, really well, uh, especially the, the AML KYC screening. Uh, uh, and then we, we presented our report to the Congress. We have to report to Congress in August of every year. Uh, and it was, it was very favorable. And so we, we have, uh, we silenced the skeptics. Uh, if, uh, and, and so, uh, the, the Congress, you know, backs it up 100%. Uh, 
the president uh, from the, the beginning has backed it up 100%. We're part of the Ministry of Finance, uh, which has the highest uh, degree of uh, governance and compliance uh, requirements uh, for the country. And, 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 you know, we have a really good reputation uh, in the United Nations and around the world. Uh, so we're, we're slowly getting, uh, getting to where the, you know, we're, we're, we're confident, you know, the program is not going anywhere. It's not going to be discontinued. Uh, we, we don't have anyone opposing it, uh, anymore. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good. As far as job security for me, I'm, I'm fairly confident. (laughs) Very good. Um, yeah, speaking of reputation, I noticed uh, some of the articles writing about this program, they sort of mentioned how this endeavor with the digital residency uh, entails a fair amount of reputational risk for Palau in terms of it has to be successful, it has to be done above the board, ensure that there are no bad actors. Um and uh, maybe you could sort of speak speak to that and um, those those reputational considerations. No, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so our the so Palau's you know re- re- is is very small, um, as not just in uh, population size, but the uh, the geography. It's, it's a very small island, and it's very remote. Um, and, but it's a you know it's it's, it's it has a, a really great reputation uh, that stems from its environmental protection uh, laws. Um, the so it's it's uh, economic exclusion zone, it, it, three hundred uh, mile all three hundred miles out from the uh, the mainland all the way around. Eighty uh, percent mm-hmm. of that is was set aside. Um, as a marine sanctuary. So it's a, it's a protected area. There's no long line fishing. There's no, uh, commercial, uh, fishing, uh, and, and it's, it's protected. It's, they get a lot of assistance from Japan, Australia, the United States and, uh, Taiwan, uh, in their efforts to, you know, protect it from, uh, poaching fish, poaching fish or, uh, the, the Chinese steam these uh, survey vessels in there. They're looking for uh, ways to establish mineral rights so that they can, they can make claims. Um, so with with that uh, with that international community helping Palau, uh, they're they're helping them because of Palau's reputation and that Palau as a sovereign country is going to continue uh, in these efforts uh, for conservation. That's like the that's that's probably the foundation. Uh, for Palau's uh, international and, and interregional uh, uh, strength or political uh, power. And then, you know, beyond that, there's the strategic uh, position of Palau. It's in the island, the last island chain farthest west from the United States. So uh, I, I, had posted a couple of uh, articles in my Twitter recently. They just started construction of a, a radar base uh, in Angar that's focused towards uh, Asia. 
and you know so they can they can better monitor what's going on in, in North Korea uh, or China and uh, so that that you know that strategic positioning uh, and strategic uh, national strategic uh, position is is another thing that that's unique about Palau uh, so those two things you know together are kind of the uh, what, what positions Palau in the world uh, gives it strategic importance and, and the reason why it's a member of the UN and, and has uh, all these mm-hmm. different uh, programs that it's trying to do, uh, like the digital residency program. How long did it take to uh, join the UN after independence? So independence was 94. How many years did it take to exceed, if that's what they call it, into the UN? I, I think it was probably the the same year or if not soon after um palau became a i want to say it was is it broke from the trust territory in 84 the then it had a kind of a, a open relationship with the united states but not really it wasn't codified until the 90s with the compact of free association very cool. So let's get back to talking a bit about the residency itself. So I think uh, you said it's uh, 260 bucks on the website. It says 263 bucks a year annually, right? Yeah. Is there an initial sign up fee as well, or just the 263 a year? No, that that's it. And you can do uh, uh, one, five, or ten year. Um, oh, sweet. Uh, subscriptions. Yep. So some of the benefits it says on the website, uh, just to help people out here. So digital nomads, welcome discounted entry exit fees, local lodging rates, discounted extension fees, visa renewals, uh, tax-free stay, reliable high-speed internet, proximity to Asia, affordable cost of living, U.S. centralized banking system, uh, international business networking, mailing address with U.S. zip code, remote online notary services. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and then there's, and that's like one section. And then there's another section that says a couple of their benefits, virtual phone number, e-corporations registry, digital banking, remote notarization and apostille, remote pri- virtual private networks, VPN, adoptometer. Not sure what that is. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so some pretty cool stuff. Um, so maybe could you just kind of keep walking us through the benefits? Like, so can you start like a Palauan company? Yes. So right, right now you can you can start a, a Palauan company uh, and register in Palau. What, what we're what we're trying to do with the e corporation or the e registry for corporations is set up a uh, know your business uh, similar to know your your KYC uh, customer. Yeah. Um, that's that's verified and and you register and you're verified in, in the blockchain. Uh, there was a a law submitted in December 2021 along with the uh, digital residency uh, program law uh, for that, but it, it was it wasn't approved. It was modeled after the U.S. state of Delaware's uh, corporate registry. Uh, laws uh, that the legislators in Palau didn't didn't accept that they they uh, felt there there wasn't enough there weren't enough assurances uh, to prevent 
uh, money laundering and, and uh, shell corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the president's office is currently where I was involved with the initial uh, like planning and, and talks, but that I, they, I'm, I'm no longer involved with it. I need to, I'm going to follow up this year and uh, see where they're at with it. And if, if it's, it's, if it's time for me, cause it was mostly a bunch of uh, uh, just, just drafting the law and, and, and getting yeah. uh, and working with the legislators, I really didn't have a, a role in that. The, 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 there was no technical uh, beyond once I confirmed with them that, yes, this can be done and, and stored on the blockchain um, that they, they I, I didn't need to be involved with the process anymore. Uh, but that, that was yeah, I mean, I wasn't it was one less meeting. So my feelings weren't weren't hurt. <laughs> um so you know that's that's one uh, thing that's that, that we're working on uh, closer to completion. Uh, as I m- mentioned, the, the mailing service. There's also a physical address uh, scheme that we're we're we just sent the regulation to uh, the the lawyers to take a look at uh, last week. Um, but it's it's very favorable where every digital resident will get a physical address in Palau. And uh, the physical address. Uh, That's we're, huge. We're trying to see just by, by default. If you sign up for the e-residency, you get a yes. physical address. Yes. That's huge. That's It'll huge. be included with that with that price. Uh, the yeah, we're we're just trying to to figure out the the mechanics uh, for AML KYC and and how. Uh, that'll affect it when you go to to renew your subscription, right? A year from now. Uh, will there be an issue between your your actual physical address and then this new Palau address uh, in in the different AML KYC um, uh, so with with the, with the different AML KYC software platforms? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, um, it's, it's, a lot of- it's pretty new and, and innovative. So we're trying to uh, run the traps and make sure that there's no showstoppers. It's definitely innovative. It's extremely innovative. Uh, a lot of people were asking about a similar concept, an uninnovative one, which was a local bank account. And people wanted to know whether the e-residency enables people to open a local Palau bank account. Yeah, so that's that's uh, we're so we're working with uh, the regulators on that right now. There's no central bank in Palau. Uh, we have branches for Bank of Hawaii and Bank of Guam uh, in Palau. Uh, there's a, a Pacific Development Bank and an Asian uh, Development Bank. They have offices in Palau, but they, they do mo- mostly uh, small business loans and, and uh, different development loans. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't offer the traditional banking services. So we are uh, working with. So there's there's two regulatory main regulatory bodies that that uh, oversee the financial industry in Palau, the Financial Investigation Unit and the Finance. Oh, I'm sorry, the fine. Hold on, Financial Institutions Committee and the Financial Investigations Unit. Uh, and so they are 
in the middle of developing a digital assets regulation. And this is one of those things where, you know, not having a regulation can slow the process down more than speed it up. Uh, right. Because a lot so of the, the, yeah. the, the, so the Bank of Hawaii, Bank of Guam that operate uh, in Palau, if you had e-residency uh, and you showed up in Palau, do you think you'd be able to open a bank account as like an American or oh, Westerner? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. W- would you be able to do it without the residency or is the residency like probably useful? So the, after that? the, the, uh, the law specifically restricts uh, using the digital residency card to open a bank account, unfortunately. Okay. Restricts using it. So basically um people would be any any westerner can go and open a bank account in palau at the bank of hawaii or bank of guam um basically just as a on a tourist visa yes okay that's pretty cool um that that is cool and do you have to show up or is it do you think it's possible to open a local bank account remotely uh it depends on on the bank i'm i'm not sure what uh, Bank of Hawaii and Bank of Guam's uh, rules are, I, I mean, I, I like for me personally, I've never, I've, I've always had online banks for as far back as I can remember at USAA, uh, Pentagon Federal Credit Union, and I use Navy Federal Credit Union now. I, I've never stepped foot inside of a bank. <laughs> okay. Oh, Ch- I use Chase. I use Chase for, for business stuff. Never, I've never set foot inside of a bank. Good to know. Where, where were you born, by the way, in Palau or in the States? I was born in Palau, yes. Sweet. And, oh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, you're calling in from Miami. Is Palau, um, uh, is there like a, a Palau sort of consulate or official capacity going on in Miami? Or um, what's what's up with uh, Miami? I actually live now in, in Pompano Beach. It's about a, a – 45 minutes to three hours, depending on traffic, uh, with, from, uh, Miami. Uh, my, I have a home here and, uh, I also have a house in Palau. Uh, I'm just right now staying in, in, uh, Florida. Okay. Awesome. So sort of splitting your time. Um, let's keep talking about the, the e-residency. Um, some people also asked about sort of the differences between the Palau digital residency and the uh, Estonian e-residency or other e-residencies that might be out there. I think Estonia is probably most famously the first one. Perhaps okay. it was an inspiration. And I was just hoping you could maybe talk about uh, some of those differences a little bit. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the the... I don't know where the, the e-residency program for Estonia is uh, currently. I think Lithuania uh, has just started one as well. Uh, you know, so as, as far as, and, they're, and they're, they're further developed. I know that they're a little bit more costly. Uh, and then the, uh, uh, they have a, a e-corporation registry as well. They, I'm not sure if it provides a path to citizenship uh, or if it's tied to uh, digital nomad uh, type programs. I know digital nomad programs for Estonia, you have to uh, 
uh, pay like what three thousand dollars for the application process and prove uh, your level of income. Uh, Palau, you know, does not. Uh, as far as um, ancillary services, uh, you know, Estonia is, is a little farther along. Uh, they, they've had the same uh, issues we had, but you know, I, I I I did a recent look, and they're they're starting to walk back a lot of the stuff uh, that that they were offering before. Uh, like the, like if you, if you register a business there now, uh, they're requiring a physical presence where before they, they did not, um, Palau, you still, you still don't need to, uh, be physically present to, to, and you, you don't have to be a digital resident to, uh, register a business, uh, in, in Palau. And, and, uh, in fact, the, uh, the uh, the corporate registry that is is uh, that they're working on is it's not just for digital residents. It's it's going to be just another um, uh, economic in- incentive for everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. the, but for for digital residents, uh, really, just the you know the physical address is going to be uh, huge. I I don't know that Estonia offers that, uh, and then. For those that want to visit Palau in person, you, you don't need to have uh, you don't need to visit Palau in person to apply for the uh, digital residency. You just you know, go to the website, you do all the AML KYC, and we'll mail mm-hmm. the card to you. Should you? What's the turnaround time? Like after you you apply online, you pay the fee. How long does it take to get accepted and uh, get that get that card mailed out? Uh, right now it's taking between three and six weeks. Not bad at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually gotten a lot better. Our, uh, printing processes have, have improved and, uh, and of course the three to six weeks depends on, on where you're at. My, my, uh, uh, wife applied for hers here in Florida and it was here within three weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, PlowGov website, and you guys give uh, sort of like a weekly report in terms of total applications, total accepted, total denied, ID cards being printed, money received, and I thought that was was pretty cool. How many applications have you gotten to date uh, since initiation for the program uh, for for the the digital residency? Yeah, so we're we're right around. I don't have the most recent number. We're right around ninety-two thousand, uh, <clears throat> and and so between the and then just working through the different uh, screenings uh, for them. So uh, Cryptic Labs does. They have a team that that does uh, some initial uh, AML KYC screening, mm-hmm. and then uh, the government of Palau uh, through my office we do a second. Uh, more thorough screening. So it's, it, it takes time, but uh, those are the requirements that the regulators put in place. And so uh, it's, 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 it's all, you know, about making sure that we're compliant and we're following the letter of the law, uh, which we are uh, to protect the reputation and legitimacy of, of the program. Mm-hmm. I noticed in one of the articles, they said 
that you guys had received 300,000 applicants, quote unquote, overwhelming the digital residency program. But on the website it says 95,000. You're saying, you know, around 92,000, <clears> same number. Same yeah, number. that was why, why the disparity. Yeah, in in the yeah in the initial uh, phases uh, when when we first opened up the application process, you could so when you registered, if you referred someone, uh, it would you would get moved up in the order of uh, uh, merit <laughs> Smart. for getting your Smart. stuff processed. Uh, so, you know, people just they started using bots and stuff. And, and so, yeah, that, that was one of the things we had to go back and look at and uh, detect, you know, bot or not. And then uh, <laughs> we, we, we uh, eliminated the we, we, we uh, did, made some adjustments and were able to eliminate that. And so it, it was really around 92,000. Uh, yeah, gotcha, I mean, gotcha. 300,000 uh, applications in a uh at the onset of anything is going to overwhelm <laughs> pretty much any, any, uh, any, any starting, uh, uh, program. Gotcha. So it's saying as of November, there were, um, 1,643 total Voyager pass holders. What exactly yeah. is the Voyager pass? Uh, so the, the Voyager pass is a, uh, a program, a supporting program, uh, with, uh, if you if you buy the NFT uh, on OpenSea, it gives you a certificate of authenticity. Uh, so we went with that. So remember what I say, what I was saying about the uh, in the beginning. Like if you referred someone, you would be moved up in the the priority for stuff. Uh, we went to that Voyager Pass instead. So there's it, it requires. Uh, uh, an additional AML KYC check, and then uh, you're you're uh, actually uh, a legitimate uh, entity that we can we can therefore assign priority to. And so, using using the blockchain again, we were uh, we're using that to to uh, authenticate digital residents, and and so that so you can. You can so so someone signing up for the program mm -hmm. can use the Voyager Pass, and then when they're they're done and they're in, they can sell it to someone else, or they can keep it, and it'll give them priority uh, once these ancillary services come online. Uh, uh, to for the the you know, you'll be first in line for the mailing for mail forwarding service, uh, physical address, uh, things of that nature. Very cool. So one of the benefits is uh, access to U.S. markets and the U.S. banking system. Is there an ability to get like a, a U.S. dollar debit card or U.S. U.S. credit card? Those are things we're, we're working on now. Uh, and once we have the digital asset regulation passed, uh, it'll it'll uh, it'll lay out exactly what we're allowed to do uh, with those with those different things. Uh, the one, one thing with, you know, and it's not just the, the U S market is it's Latin America or not Latin America. I'm sorry. Uh, Asia, the Pacific, you know, Palau is, is, uh, uh, it's, it's a five hour flight from really anywhere in the Pacific. So if you're looking for, uh, a, a place to base your business, 
uh, or yourself and do and then do business in the Philippines, Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and even India. Um, you know, Plow is really, really uh, strategically located uh, for you to do that. It's, it's in close proximity as far as geography, but also time zone. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's becoming more, it's becoming easier uh, to, to fly to those different places. I mean, right now you, you go to the Philippines and then you can go uh, anywhere else. Or, or if you have business in the Philippines, it's a two hour flight. Right. Uh, Is it to Manila or <clears throat> to Manila? Yep. Okay, sweet. And so I, I think, uh, because I'm not the biggest crypto guy, I almost don't know what questions to ask, but I, I imagine a lot of the biggest benefits are for crypto people. But I guess before we get into that can of worms, um, what do you think would be some of the biggest benefits for, for non-crypto people, right? If you're just like, I don't know, a standard digital nomad or internationalizer, how do you oh, yeah. think that the, the non-crypto people could use this program effectively? Yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 the program is, is probably 80% uh, designed for, for non-crypto people. Uh, non-crypto uh, people like myself. I, I mean, I, I keep up with it. Um, uh, I, I understand the concept, but I, I'm more uh, focused on the blockchain technology and, and how the blockchain uh, provides decentralized uh, validation records and, and verification. Uh, you know more than any, any of the traditional uh, programs that are or schemes that are out there uh, for for record, it's, it's, it's very secure. Right. Um, and so that, that's, that's, that's the strength of the digital residency program that it's, it's on chain verification. It's not, uh, something that's sitting in a, uh, computer database somewhere in Palau. It's something that's, mm -hmm. uh, distributed across the Binance blockchain. And so, you know, if there's ever any uh, issues or you need to locate a record, uh, it, it's it's there's so much redundancy, you'll you'll be able to find that record. Uh, if anyone tampers with or tries to tamper with uh, the identification or tries to counterfeit it or or copy it, uh, we'll we'll know right away. Gotcha. It'll it'll impact the blockchain. So, um, so for um, digital uh, nomads, okay, yep. Go ahead, go ahead. So for digital nomads, oh, so I mean, for for digital nomads, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's really you know Plow's uh, it's Plow's position, and then just the you know the yeah, it's very small. Uh, if you're if you're someone that likes big cities, uh, you know, your your probably your time staying in Plow is probably going to be very limited. Uh, but if you like uh, great connectivity, because we have a uh, fiber optic connection, uh, so you're as a digital resident or a digital nomad, that's that's huge. Uh, being able to have uninterrupted connection to uh, your home office, where, wherever that is in the world. Uh, and then if, if you're doing business in, if you want to do business in, in uh, the Asia Pacific region, you know, you're, you're in a pretty centralized time zone uh you have the it's very safe there's very little uh crime uh 
uh, in Palau. Uh, uh, the cost of living is is low. Uh, apartment rent, you know, if depending on uh, size, averages a thousand dollars to twelve hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Airbnb. There's uh, 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 Taxi services, Uber, there's a bus service. Um, and then, you know, on your weekends, you don't have to fly uh, 30 hours uh, and spend a ton of money uh, to get to your vacation location. Uh, there's, just, there's, you know, if, if you like anything to do with uh, the ocean and water and water sports, uh, they, they have it in Palau. Very cool. And then Monday so morning, if someone to wanted to, to so if someone wanted to basically set up this Palau e residency mm-hmm. in order to have greater access to Asian markets and sort of do business with Asia, do business with India, Philippines, whatever, how how would that kind of work? Like, where would they be get? Like, let's just say you you know you set up some work contract with uh, people in the Philippines, whatever. I don't know. You do some build some software for them or something, right? How, how can you actually get paid? Would it be through that like Bank of Hawaii bank account or would it be maybe through, um, I don't know, like a crypto centric uh, bank account that you can set up with the residency or how can you actually sort of get access to, to payments and, and payment processing? No, I mean, your, your current, um, like your, your whatever business, uh, however, however your your business is set up financially right now, you just keep that model uh, and open a brand. Just open a, a, a like an office in Palau, and then register mm-hmm. your business there. And then you know you have a from then on you you, you know you have a, a presence uh, in the region and it's it's legitimate and uh, you can you can do that with your uh, Palau. Uh, uh, digital resident card. Very right. cool. and you don't you don't have to open any new bank accounts or, or anything like that. You can, you know, just if you have a, a, a bank in uh, in the U.S. or Canada or uh, Mexico, you keep all your banking stuff the same. Uh, you mm-hmm. just you, you you now have a, a business presence uh, in Palau. And sorry, just to double down. So the way you have the business presence in Palau, you get the e-residency. And then what do you do once you have the e-residency to sort of solidify that business presence? Oh, just there's uh, there maybe two or three forms you fill out and then you can um, open a corporation in Palau. Okay, sweet. And I know you're not a financial advisor or tax advisor, so that's the disclaimer for the episode. Um, but um, let's just say, let's just take the, the situation for Americans for a minute in a couple different ways, because I think Americans are probably, eh, I don't know, half, 60% of our audience. Um, could you have the, could you have a US company owned by a Palau company, right? So could you have a, a Palau a company kind of at the uh, at the holding company level and have that own like a Texas LLC or Wyoming LLC, something like that. Yeah, that, that's some of the things we're looking at with the the new uh, corporate registry law. Uh, right now, I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't know how that how that. No work. worries. 
for Americans, we're able to do the foreign earned income exclusion at the personal level. Maybe you're somewhat familiar with that. Um, <clears throat> do you think uh, Palau could work as a good um, base uh, in in a holistic strategy with the foreign earned income exclusion? Because typically, you have to sort of like write an address on your tax on your IRS tax return, like you know, like where did you spend most of the year, or whatever? Where is your tax home? And right. you could maybe use you could maybe use that Palau address. Yeah, with the that, that's that's going to be one of the big benefits of the physical address uh, in Palau, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, yeah, once we get that online uh, and the regulation promulgated, uh, that that's one of the things we're we're uh, definitely hoping for is that it's it's going to uh, provide a, a, a way to to benefit from that foreign tax exclusion. So you're you're paying the four percent Palau corporate tax instead of thirteen uh, percent or, or whatever it is here in the U.S. Okay, four percent Palau corporate tax rate. What yeah. about hiring for Palau corporations? Do you know anything about that? Can Palau corporations like hire hire foreigners and stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a uh, uh, now, there's more information, uh, more detailed information on the website, but to, but to work in Palau, it, there's a, a a work visa process, and so uh, that's yeah, it's 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 definitely possible. Uh, matter of fact, there's there that's how Palau fills most of its uh, more technical uh, positions, both in in business and the government. Uh, mm-hmm. They 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 uh, they hire. Uh, from the United States, Australia, uh, different countries. The physical residency address or residential address, is that something you guys are still working on or is that already ready? Uh, is that already part of it? Uh, so the solution design is done. We just have to get it through uh, the legal advisors uh, to, to bless off on it. And then there's a, a promulgation process where it goes through a series of uh, checks before it's signed by the president. Okay. Yeah, all, all regulations in Palau are signed by the president. Uh, so it's there's a lot of eyes that go on them before. Uh, they're, they're, they're like one step below uh, law. Another question for you. Do holders of the digital <clears throat> residency necessarily have to file annual tax returns? No. No, Good not to in know. Palau. No, nope. <laughs> nope. uh, unless you open a business in Palau or, uh, you know, work for a plowing company or the plowing government. Uh, no, there, there's no, no uh, requirement. Um, if, if you go there as a digital nomad and, and you know, your, your company is in, uh, Germany or, uh, you know, somewhere else, you know, your, your income is your income and that's between you and, and Germany or, or whichever country is, uh, right. The right, right. Is. Cause it, the income basically flows through to where your, um, actual tax residency is. I Correct. guess that's the idea. Yes. So everything sounds great so far. I mean, 260 bucks a year pr- pretty much seems to be no downside. Um, and a lot of upside in terms of access to additional markets. 
Are there any risks or catches that we aren't seeing? Uh, no, that, that's, that's one thing uh, with the program and, and why uh, I agreed to be a part of it when, when the minister, I, I was invited uh, to, for the, so I'm appointed, uh, I'm an appointee by, by the president, but, you know, I, I do have a, a, a reputation that, that I enjoy and I didn't want to get involved with anything that seemed like a, uh, a Ponzi scheme or a pump and dump uh, type thing. But once I saw uh, the level of uh, regulatory compliance that's uh, required and the amount of oversight, uh, I understood that this was uh, something that's that's very legitimate and, and the government is taking it very, very seriously. Uh, because there's, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, a lot at stake. Uh, when you mentioned the reputation of Palau, you know, Palau uses the U.S. dollar uh, as its currency, uh, and there are uh, a lot of stringent requirements that Palau has to meet to be able to uh, continue using the U.S. dollar and not have to generate its own uh, currency. And, uh, and then just from, you know, the, the, the UN membership in the UN, uh, membership in different regional, uh, um, committees and, and organizations, uh, they're, they're all on the line. A lot of the, like the aid, the economic aid they get, uh, is all tied to how other countries and, and other organi- outside organizations view Palau's risk level. Uh, and if they were to pull something, uh, uh, you know, that, that uh, did a disservice to uh, other people in the world, it, it, would, it would not bode well for Palau. So it's, you know, ha- having said that, there, there's, no, uh, there's no way as long as I'm involved with a program uh, that it's, it's going to go uh, off and do anything uh, illegitimate or, or illegal. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense for smaller nations to do things like that. Uh, I think we kind of mentioned like Panama has their uh, yacht and boat registry program, and that brings in like billions of dollars a year for Panama, having like, 60% of the world's boats like registered in Panama. So I feel and like Palau, it's, it's kind of kind of a similar concept. Yeah, Palau has a, we have a ship registry as well. And we're, we're looking, we're looking hard at that to see if we can uh, bring it, bring it on the same level as Panama. It's just something that hasn't been explored, uh, in the past. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a infrastructure as a service. I think it's uh, a totally legit thing. So I know we've, uh, sprinkled, uh, some of this throughout the episode in terms of plans for the future plans for the next few years. Uh, but if you had to just summarize it in a couple of sentences, what are the uh, plans for the digital residency program for the next couple of years? Yeah, so yeah, definitely the next couple of years. You know, we we we've uh, we've really been able to get ourselves to a point now where uh, the Palau government is is open uh, to promulgating regulations and getting the ancillary services uh, online a little bit better understanding uh, of what uh, the program is all about and, and what the digital residence 
uh, are going to be able to do in Palau. Uh, the, the Over the next year, we just want to get the ancillary services like the, the mailing service and the physical addresses uh, and the, the visa extensions uh, uh, up and running and available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're, we're going to start looking uh, probably in the, the next few months, uh, you know, zeroing in on the digital banking and digital phone uh, uh, programs to see, try and see if we can, I can help the uh, uh, regulators develop the digital asset regulation uh, that's needed uh, to push those, to push those forward. And then uh just, just, you know, just really like shows like this, getting the word out uh, to different markets and different populations that aren't uh, aware of the program and, and uh, seeing if they're interested in signing up as an option uh, to some of the other programs, similar programs that are out there. Good to know. Yeah, I'm really excited for the future. I think uh, once you have some of those services up and running, this is going to be an absolutely stellar program. I mean, it already is, but once you have some of those things, this will be like a world leading program for sure. It's super innovative. Yeah. And we're, we're really grateful to the early adopters who, uh, you know, signed up, you know, with, with no ancillary programs available, you know, that just with, with our roadmap, because they've, they've really helped uh, fuel uh, the legitimacy of the program and, and showed, the Congress and the president that this has, it's, it's a viable program. People are interested. And if, if we can get these regulations pushed through and these services online, uh, we're, we're going to get more, uh, more participation. So definitely a huge thanks to the early, early adopters. Uh, and, and, uh, we're, we're working hard for you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm down as well. So everyone out there, get over to the website and sign up. What's the website again? Is the main one uh, palau.gov.pw? Uh, or uh, palau.gov.pw, there's some uh, information there, but to sign up, it's uh, rns.id. rns.id. Sweet, Jay. I got one or two uh, quick questions for you. Uh, a little bit random, but... Have you heard of Lieberland, the micronation project in Europe? Because um, they have a similar sort of e-residency program as well. I was just wondering if you were aware of it and if uh, you guys had kind of communicated or inspired each other at all. Uh, I, I'm, I'm aware of the program, uh, but as, as a uh, legitimate sovereign nation uh, and government, we, we really haven't done any kind of uh association with them right right right. yeah you guys are next level because you guys are a real un recognized country but some similarities just in terms of the the offering um and people can go check out we had an episode with joey langenbrunner representative of liberland um uh, some episodes ago uh one other question so there are a lot of uh countries in the world that use the u.s dollar uh, in Latin America, we have Ecuador and yeah. Panama being probably the most uh, well-known examples. Is there any sort of like integration between these countries that use the U.S. dollar, but they're their own sovereign nations? Like, do you guys have any kind of special relationship with Panama and Ecuador? 
No, not, not that I'm aware of. Uh, no, no, unfortunately. Uh, aside from the, the common currency. Uh, I, I think from, not, not from an economic, on an economic level, I, I believe uh, after uh, Palau uh, established the, it's called the Palau National Marine Sanctuary, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the 80% of the economic exclusion zone that's set aside uh, for marine preservation. Uh, and then they, all, they also established the Palau, like the entire region of Palau is the island of Palau and its economic zone is a sea turtle and shark sanctuary. Uh, so like very strong advocacy against uh, shark finning and, and uh, those types of practices. Uh, they worked with the Galapagos in Ecuador uh, who also adopted similar um, uh, protection, uh, not laws, but uh, just the methods. There's a lot of uh, exchange of information uh, Palau also has the uh, Palau Pledge that, you know, when when uh, uh, tourists enter Palau at the airport, you you sign and accept the pledge that you're going to take care of Palau and and uh, the environment and, and things of that nature. So in, in Galapagos, they have a similar um, thing when you when you get, when you land at the airport, uh, you, you pay the uh, entry fee and you sign a pledge. Uh, as well. I remember doing that. I, I still have my uh, Galapagos pledge somewhere. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool. So there's there's collaboration on on other in other areas, uh, mm -hmm. not not necessarily the economy, but it's all tied to the economy, especially uh, tourism uh, being being a huge uh, source of revenue for uh, for Panama, Ecuador. A lot of different countries and, and and Palau. So there's there's definitely a lot of uh, things they could learn from each other. Cooperation. Speaking of nature, you guys have a, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yes, uh, it's called the Thousand Island uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's a uh, uh, Palau's kind of unique geographic feature uh, are the rock islands. Uh, they're volcanic little volcanic formations. They they look like those uh, like the 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 crabby islands in in uh, Thailand except not as not as uh, tall they have more of a rounded uh, shape to them uh, and so that that uh, area uh, is uh, off limits it's it's a like I said a protector there's over I think over four hundred uh, species of marine wildlife there uh, and uh, you can. You can see it from the air and from boat from afar, but it's uh it's protected and and uh, we also have uh, Jellyfish Lake, uh, that's a pretty uh, famous spot where you have non-stinging uh, millions of non-stinging jellyfish uh, that you can go and, and swim with. Uh, it's it's great for uh, for the Instagram and TikTok and, and all that stuff. <laughs> and it's it's just once you get over the wow factor. And remember that you have a camera. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's beautiful. Sweet. So Palau, guys, not just for online registration. If you're going to check out every UNESCO site in the world, you got to make it to Palau. If you want to visit every country in the world, we have a lot of listeners actually that are chasing 193 
or 197 that they're trying to go to every country in the world. So allows on that list, guys. Yeah, that's on my list. I'm I'm up to uh, 47. That's awesome. Countries, yeah. I'm I'm trying to get there as well. And uh, one last thing. Sorry, out of order, but. At the beginning, you said sort of the list of crypto exchanges that you could sign up for uh, using the Palau uh, e-residency. Could you give us that list again? Uh, off the top, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I know the the Binance exchange is one. Uh, I, I, I'd have to look it up and, and uh, send and it to w- Would they have to sign up for uh, Binance US or Binance International? I believe it's Binance US, but I could be wrong, or it might be both. Very cool. All right, that'll do it, Jay. You've been super generous with your time. Um, RNS.id is where you guys need to go to apply for your Palau digital residency. I'm on the site right now. Um, I'm salivating. I think I'm going to pull the trigger. Um, Jay, tell us uh, a little bit more about the message that you want to get out there to the people and um, uh, where you want to direct people's attention. No, thank, thank you for the, the uh, pointing out the website. And, and uh, yeah, I just, just like check out the website and, and, and see if it's for you. You know, I mean, there's a lot of programs out there. I think uh, what, what we offer and then our, you know, not just our, uh, our offerings are, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably the same as other, as you'll see in other countries, but look at, you know, if you, if you look future forward, you know, a lot of Eastern European countries are, are facing some economic fallout as well, uh, mm-hmm. from what's going on in Russia, Ukraine. Um, there's, uh, several countries that, you know, they've started these programs and, and they, you know, anyone, anyone can put, um, like great sounding uh, services and benefits uh, on a website, uh, but but do they actually deliver? Uh, and do they actually have the infrastructure and government backing uh, to make those a reality? And and I think I think uh, uh, you know time will tell. Uh, and you know Palau, from my perspective, running this program, uh, it it definitely does, and we're doing it. We're doing it meticulously and we're doing it right. And we're going to maintain our legitimacy and our, our reputation. And if, for those of you chasing countries, definitely go to Palau. If you're a scuba diver, you have to go to Palau. Uh, the, the cost of traveling there is, is, is coming down. Uh, it's, it's unforgettable. Uh, so thank you. And thank you for your support. And thanks again to the early adopters uh, for helping make this uh uh, program a reality. Yep. We, we very much respect that you guys are doing it, uh, above the board and you guys are doing it the right way. I think it's super, super innovative. I'm sure it can be hard at times to be at the cutting edge, but what you guys are doing is, is basically making history literally like this is super, super cool. So highly recommend everyone, uh, get involved in one way or another. Um, Jay's Twitter as well is at JHX underscore 1138. So that's his Twitter account. You can follow him there. Uh, PalauGov.pw as well as uh, the RNS website. So Jay Hunter Anson, 
Director of the Digital Residency Office of the Republic of Palau. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me.